0: planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, S&T Bank is here to help. Learn how S&T Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com, member FDIC. s and Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by J.D. Power. For J.D. Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Good afternoon, good afternoon, Steelers Nation Radio, back inside the electric factory after what's felt like a long time off its Euler emotes.
2: <sighs> it's so glad to see your face again. I'm just happy to be back with you. You didn't try to get rid of me over the weekend. Tried to get rid of me on Monday. Told me stay home yesterday. I'm never getting rid of you.
1: Wow. I can never quit you, baby.
2: Come on, man. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here for the people. Still, a nation needs me in times like this, man.
1: They do. That You're, was a rough Sunday night. We already got some tweets about missing your, you know, your ray of positivity. And yeah, I could have used you on Monday, Mozi. I couldn't sleep all weekend, man. You know because I thought. Things were bad on Saturday. You know, yeah. I wake up. I had a nice rare Saturday off during the fall. My Mountaineers are playing Missouri at noon. It's great. Wifey cooks a big old breakfast. We take the dog for a nice walk. It's a beautiful day. Right, right. I cracked my first cold one at like, <sighs> like 1130 in the okay. morning. And WV proceeded to get mollywopped <sighs> and lose by 31 points to the Missouri Tigers. I will say this. I enjoyed that part. I'm sure you I love did. that part. And then Jamie
2: went and won by like 31 points. So, so it was a
1: beautiful weekend. At least Saturday evening and Sunday, right, yeah. during the day, I'm thinking, hey, can't get any worse than yesterday. Can't get any worse. Mountaineers lost by 31 points. Can't get any worse than that. It's impossible to get any worse than that. This isn't college football we're talking about. Well, it just so happened that I guess technically it didn't get worse, right? But 31-point <laughs> loss for the Mountaineers, 30-point loss for the Steelers. Uh, I made a lot of wrong predictions on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, at some point this week, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll get on me for that. Uh, but I did make one correct prediction. Oh, what was that? And I told you that we were going to overreact on Monday one way or the other. It was either going to be Super Bowl 16-0, and 0, right. we're the best team ever, the Patriots dynasty's over, or it was going to be fire, Tomlin, get rid of Ben, we stink, Absolutely. everyone's terrible, replace the coordinators. I predicted that as well. That's what, that's what people do. They like to overreact. And it happens. I know you've got your 24-hour rule. Right? Absolutely. 24 hours, you get to sulk and mope and be upset about it, but then you got to move on. Good or bad? Well, we've had now much more than 24 hours. We had about yeah. three days now. Arthur Moats, still, uh, are you still kind of, kind of shocked, kind of bothered by what you saw Sunday in Foxborough? Have you turned the page? It's only one game. Yes, it was a disaster, but you know what? and maybe you don't agree with me on this, you could tell me if you do or not, it doesn't matter if you lost by 3 or by 30, you're still 0-1. At least maybe that's the positive look you could put on it, and you're at worst now, a game behind everybody else in the National Football League. But three days later now, you've had some time to digest. The Power Grid wants to know Arthur Motz's thoughts. Well, you know, this is the beauty of me no longer being a player. When I was
2: playing... I would have to abide by the 24-hour rule to the utmost. Regardless if it was a great performance or a terrible performance, you're either one know, or you're 0-1 that weekend, period. Move on. By the time you get here on Wednesday, it's, it's Seattle week. Being a media member now, I get a chance to dwell a little bit longer. I get a chance to chew it, in the words of Coach Tomlin, just a little bit longer. And when I think about that game on Sunday, it was just, it was a terrible performance. And all, I mean, pretty much. Can't really sugarcoat it. All three phases, man. It was not what you wanted to see. It was very frustrating, especially when you think of you had all offseason to prepare for this. And some of the things that were associated with it, I could understand initially them not working in terms of Juju not being able to win the one on ones versus uh, Stefan Gilmore. Remember, we talked about are they going to double him or is he going to get Gilmore by himself? We didn't know. So I could see that catching you off guard initially. But where were your adjustments from an offensive standpoint? When we're looking at third and ones and we're running toss plays, getting tackled for loss, or you're on the goal line, you get stopped on third and one and you don't even go for it on fourth and one. These are the things that I say to myself, why? Like, I, I, I just can't understand. I can't wrap my head around it. And especially when you looked at that juncture of the game or how – The theme all offseason had been turnovers. The theme had been all offseason that we've revamped this defense. We have a lot more talent, a lot more speed. Guys going to take that second-year leap, but we didn't see that. We saw a lot of miscommunication. We saw a lot of missed tackles, and we just saw an overall lackluster performance. So those are all the things that frustrated me. But the beauty of football is that, hey, This is one week, and you get another opportunity this week coming up. Now it doesn't get easier, though. No, it does not. Seattle isn't some team that's coming in here limping. It's not a team that, you know, you think that you're just going to run through. The Miami
1: Dolphins aren't coming to Heinz Field on Sunday. Absolutely.
2: The Seattle Seahawks have Super Bowl aspirations. They have a potential future Hall of Fame quarterback as well, future Hall of Fame linebacker on defense. So it doesn't get easier, but you always have to look at it and, and say, okay. What could we have learned from this performance? What are the positives that not only players but fans could take from this performance? Because it wasn't a lot, but there were some.
1: What were they? Because I, I I don't know. I'm still, I'm still so, struggling to find some here. What do you got so for me? <laughs>
2: the first thing I looked at was, number one, James Washington, right? We saw him have a very impressive preseason last year. But when he got to the regular season, he was very underwhelming. He really never showed up in a moment where you felt, okay, this guy – is showing why we took him where we took him in the draft. This guy is showing that he has big play potential. He never showed that last year. He showed that this game, now granted, I don't like how he finished the play after the big catch. By him running out of bounds, I felt like he could have definitely stayed in bounds and scored. But it at least showed the understanding and the growth and maturity that, okay, I don't need to jump for this. I'm faster than this guy. I can run this route and make this play. He showed great hands in terms of catching it confidently. That was the first thing that I was really impressed with. Now, the second thing I was impressed with was when we talk about the offensive line, from a pass-blocking standpoint, Mm -hmm. they pretty much kept Ben clean the majority of the game. Now, granted, late in the game, things started to happen. But for the majority, he was clean. He wasn't under duress. And you could take that as a positive, saying that, hey, they protected him. But the negative could be, well, he had time, and he still wasn't looking impressive. Sure. But that's another thing that I look at as a positive. And the, the third thing I look at from a positive standpoint is, From a turnover standpoint, Ben did protect the ball. He had the late interception where he throws it up in the end zone, and you could chalk that up without a doubt, but I feel like that interception is different than what we used to see with him forcing the ball into triple coverage. Him trying to do too much or feed a certain person the ball to make them happy. We did not see that. So that's another reason why I'm like, you know what, okay. I see the growth here, I see that there, I see this there. I do think that A lot of the out-of-sync looking stuff that we saw offensively, Mm -hmm. some of the miscommunication defensively is a direct correlation to the lack of preseason reps together, though. It's one of those things like, Wes, me and you have a great rapport, right? I like to think so. And it's great because we're constantly working at it. We're constantly talking. We're always doing shows together. So we're comfortable with each other. But if I take three, four months off, We don't talk, and then we just hop back on. We're not going to flow the same, right? It's going to take some time for us to get back in sync, and I think that's what we saw offensively and defensively. Because from an offensive standpoint, they've only had 17 plays with Ben in the preseason leading up into that moment. So for them, that was their first time all together. When we looked at the defense, outside of Devin Bush, who played more than two quarters in the preseason from a defensive standpoint, a lot of moving pieces. And then you just throwing everybody out there like, hey, make it work, guys. Everything's going to be perfect now. The lights are on. You can't beat New England like that. You have to practice. You have to have your game preparations. You have to be sharp out the gate versus New England because they don't beat themselves.
1: So there's two things there. Then I've got two questions for you from that. One then is about the preparation and the coaching staff and their decision-making and, and if that onus then falls on them. But before we get there, why did we not see? And I agree with you in a vacuum. Right, Right. The offense will look much better and much more cohesive this week. The communication on the defense will look much better this week, particularly, I think, if they get Sean Davis back on Sunday. But the Patriots starters on offense played one more snap in the preseason than the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Their defense played about the same amount as the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Why are we not seeing that rust from them? Why was it just on one side of the football?
2: Preseason games, yes, are huge. Practice reps are even bigger it's well-documented the amount of time that Ben does not practice and is well-documented how much time Tom Brady does practice. There is your answer right there. It's been documented how one is a football junkie in terms of they study, eat, sleep, everything football, where one has the reputation of they typically could just show up and they have it. These are all the things that are associated with these type of performances from a defensive standpoint. I still saw some missed tackles from New England, but it was nowhere near the amount that we saw from Pittsburgh. But the thing that really killed the Steelers defensively was the blown assignments. Yeah. You have guys running sky-free down the middle of the field. I don't care what call you have. I don't care how much you've practiced. You can't have that and expect to beat the Patriots. That's just not how it's going to work with those guys.
1: So this is two straight years now. Mm -hmm. And maybe even it goes back further, but at least that I can remember clearly two straight years now that the Steelers came out week one Mm -hmm. and clearly looked rusty. Yeah. Do you think there needs to be an evaluation process going forward then about how they handle Ben in training camp in the preseason? How they handle the starters in training camp in the preseason? Do you think that there's a chance that that needs to—not right now, obviously—but that that needs needs to be a discussion before next year?
2: I do think it's something that needs to be addressed. I'll also say this from a defensive standpoint— I think a lot of people, including myself, underestimated the impact of Cameron Kelly being out there from a communication standpoint versus Sean Davis. I figured Terrell Edmonds is going into his second year. He's going to help him out a lot on that back end from a communication standpoint. I thought that we would see a way better performance from a Mark Barron, especially knowing that he was going to be paired up with Devin Bush sometimes and Vince Williams as well. I didn't see those things. And I think that's the part that caught me the most because you just assume that, oh, Terrell's going to communicate with this guy. Everybody's going to pick up the slack knowing that Sean Davis is not there, and I did not see that. I didn't see one or two players saying, hey, look, man, I'm going to take the onus to make sure that we're on the same page. You looked at the, the third uh, quarter pass to Philip Dorsett. Mm-hmm. It was miscommunication. Yep. Who's supposed to be in the post? Who's staying high? Who's coming down? It was a regular zone coverage, but the miscommunication there was the, the end-all, be-all for that particular play. And then the same with some of those crossing routes. Just looks like miscommunications. Hey, are we sticking it? Are we passing it off to each other? Are you going high? Am I going, low? Are, am I going low? Are we tail piping it? What are we doing in terms of the technique we're using? Because we have to be on the same page to avoid running into each other. We didn't see that. And that, for me, is the biggest issue. But I'm just chalking it up to that's the first game. Now that they are able to point that out on film, now they can correct these issues. And I'm more, I'm more so focused on what they look like this weekend because it's like if you have the same mistakes this weekend, the same egregious mistakes in terms of the missed assignments, the missed tackles. Well, now I'm starting to look. Okay, is it a personnel issue then? Are they just mentally not capable of doing these things? But if those things start to go away, like I think they will well, then you know, okay,
1: it was just the rest, and that's what we have to associate it with. It's a whole lot to unpack. Certainly a whole lot to unpack. I want to ask you uh, about the wide receivers and some of those usage numbers that we saw from Switzer and Moncrief and James Washington. We need to discuss some of the performance of of those guys as well, too. James Conner, Vance McDonald, some of the linebackers. Uh, there's a whole lot that we got. Uh, how the Steelers seemingly lost in the trenches on both sides of the football when you thought they'd have a clear-cut advantage there. there there's there's a whole lot that I want to unpack with you here as we go along on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Fifty Two. If you De want to body. chime in, I also we did we we got a question um from Mark here. Uh, along the lines, I wanted to make sure we, we talked about this in the the first segment as well, too. The passing of uh, former Steelers lineman Sam Davis. Absolutely. Uh, found at, at age 75. Uh, passed away. Four-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, this news coming out last night and this morning, of course. we got a question here on Twitter, on, uh, kind of a, a comment and a question from yeah. Mark. Uh, he said, listening to Tunch and Wolf and the remembrances of Sam Davis, uh, this is part of what makes the Steelers so great, that that kind of family-first organization. Absolutely. And was wondering if you could share uh, how this continues on now with current players. I think you're a perfect example of that. You were a guy who didn't start in Pittsburgh. He didn't finish in Pittsburgh. Uh, but this is the place that you call home. This is the place where you feel uh, that you belong the most.
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's tragic. Anytime you hear about the passing of anybody within that Steels organization, you feel it because it's a family. From top to bottom, it starts with the Rooney's up top, but all the way down to janitors or or the people in the kitchen staff. Oh, you know how anyone who listens to us (laughs) knows
1: how much we love the chefs. Absolutely.
2: But (laughs) anytime somebody within that organization is going through something or somebody passes away, you feel it. You're saddened by it because you understand what type of people are allowed in that organization. You understand what it means to wear this logo. And for a guy like Sam Davis to pass away, I mean, it sucks. But at the same time, I love the fact that me as a former player, you listen to Tunch and Wolf, they had uh, John Coburn as well. All these different players are able to reflect on the, the impact that this guy had. Are They're able to reflect on the good memories that he's had. And as a fan, you're able to remember the Super Bowls that he was a part of. When when you talk about having six Super Bowls, he's a part of that. Four of them. He's a part of that legacy. And I think that is very special as well. Anybody who's been a part of any type of success here, when you look at the coaches and the wins they've acquired, you're a part of that when you put on this jersey. It's bigger than you. And I think, man, just the passing of him is one of those times where it really highlights – that Because now you get to go back and I hate that you pay respect to people and you give them the flowers while they're gone, but mm-hmm. that's essentially what happens right now. But man, it's just, like I said, it's, it's an awesome thing to be a part of in terms of this organization. And I'm just glad that you don't want people to come together under these circumstances, but it's good to have people reflecting on him and speaking positively on him and his family.
1: And our thoughts and prayers, of of course, with the Davis family as they go forward when we come back here i want to get into some of that player usage with arthur moats and and again kind of uh some of the confusing nature of what we saw from the offensive and the defensive line and and some uh some matchups that we expected them to dominate that didn't necessarily go the steelers way again on twitter if you want to chime in at wesley Euler at the da body 52 it's Euler and moats it's steelers blitz it's the electric factory and as always it's on snr
0: Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Still group therapy in session here on a Wednesday on SNR. It's like that sometimes. This is it, though. After today... And I see you nodding your head over there. You like this? Hey, man, I'm, DJ, I'm doing way, it all dude. today, baby. Shout out to our producer Wesley Euler on the ones and twos today. The, the more you could do, the more you could do. It's, I'm just trying to be like you know you play, you could play inside, you could play on the uh, outs, you know interior linebacker, edge guy. You're I'm trying just, to make me blush. I'm just trying to be like Arthur Motes. You know, just, <laughs> like you said, the more you can do, uh, we're going to eventually turn the page here, Motsy, and we're even start to do that as the show rolls along. Right. Uh, but I want to talk. Still some trenches with you. I want to talk some, some wide receivers and some running backs and some eh, maybe offensive game plan is the way to put it. Mm, okay. So you want to start with the wide receivers and work from there? Does that work with you? Yeah. Anytime it's a loss, we go offense first. That's when right. De-
2: when it's a win, we go defense <laughs> That's first. right. That's okay. That's
1: fine. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Steelers blitz law. Write it down. Yeah. Uh, the wide receivers, I think it's safe to say they left some to be, they left a decent amount to be desired. Uh, ...in Foxborough on Sunday night. Yeah, without a doubt. I think there were some, certainly some concerns there with Moncrief. Um, but again, it's it's only one game. I know a lot of people are, are ready to throw him on the bench... ...and oh, it was a terrible signing. It's one game. What I think was more surprising to me was... ...and, and don't get me wrong, the, the drops by Moncrief were surprising... ...but what was maybe more surprising and what stood out to me more... ...what I still am thinking about here on a Wednesday three days later is the wide receiver usage after Juju and Moncrief. Mm. Both of those guys were on the field for 90% of the snaps. That's not surprising. That wouldn't have shocked us at all if you would have told us that before the game. But Ryan Switzer, 67% of the snaps. James Washington, 52% of the snaps. When asked about that yesterday in his press conference, uh, Toch, Co- <laughs> Toch... Toch Co- Toch, Com- <laughs> Toch <Comlin>. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Tomlin... Uh, Basically said that, listen, James Washington's still a young guy. He's still um, earning that availability, that action, that, those, those snaps, if you will. Is that surprising to you? When we see Ryan Switzer on the field for two-thirds of the snaps, we see James Washington on the field for just a little over half.
2: Yeah, um, it was a little surprising in the sense that I felt James Washington in that game could have done more, could have been more productive if he had more opportunities. I wasn't surprised at the fact that I thought Switch was going to play a lot just because of the personal validation that Big Ben had given him this offseason, that mm-hmm. had given him throughout the offseason. So those are the things that, in terms of how I viewed it, but I don't think that James Washington should be eased into this thing as a receiver in terms of him having to earn his reps because outside of Juju – What have these other guys done that has been so great that James hasn't earned more?
1: Right. It's not like Ryan Switzer has gone out there and put together a bunch of big games. Absolutely.
2: Or even Moncrief. I understand Moncrief has more years in the NFL without a doubt. But he wasn't a world beater prior to his signing here. And I think the money is a clear indication of how the Steelers felt about him in terms of value. It wasn't as if... They felt that, oh, this guy is worth so much. Let's, bring, let's put so much and invest so much into him. So I personally feel more is invested in James Washington being a high-round draft pick for the Steelers than what they did to acquire Ryan Switzer or Dante Moncrief. Yeah, I agree. So that's the part that was a little mind-blowing to me. I still think that that falls under the first game element, though. I think they'll begin to make adjustments to his playing time. As long as he considers t- can to. Produce. He continues to make catches. He continues to display situational awareness. If he can continue to display run after ability, I think that would definitely warrant him more. And I think he's a guy which is so common with a lot of young players. The more reps helps his confidence. The more he's confident, the better you'll see him play. Last year, we talked about how he was kind of like the dog that had got in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> he, got, he got, you know, disciplined a little bit. Out the doghouse. And for there, he was a little shy. He's a little gun shy. Whereas now, it's like, man, he hasn't done anything negative yet. Let's continue to reward him because the more confident he plays, he's a guy that if his confidence is high, I think he could do something special in this league. But you could tell even on the pass that he caught, he takes two steps and then just casually like veers out of bounds, and he's looking over his shoulder as if, hey, was I did I do it right, guys? Am I good? Almost like he needed that extra validation reward him with more playing time and watch what he does
1: he has that potential we've seen it so how does this play out now going forward do you think we still see switzer being the guy that is getting you know the ipso facto third wide receiver snaps uh do you think that changes a little bit how i also wonder too just how much you know Ben's voice is a part of this decision, because uh, you know how that is. If the quarterback wants a guy out there, it's hard to tell the quarterback no, especially when he's a 16 year veteran future Hall of Famer. But maybe there does need to be some parsing of the responsibilities if you will, in in that regard, and to listen, these are our best options on the field, this is what we're rolling with.
2: Absolutely. I still think that Switch is going to see a ton of playing time. I look more so at James Washington starting to creep into Moncrief's playing time when we (laughs) talk about the three receiver sets I see a more Juju Washington Switzer I still think that Moncrief is going to get opportunities at the beginning of this game versus the Seahawks but I guarantee you his leash is a lot shorter this week than it was last week he won't be allotted four drops I think if he has two drops and they're right in his chest nice passes, I think you will see a decision made then Especially if James Washington is showing that he's capable and competent out there on that field. I think they'll make that move without hesitating. But for Switzer, I think just because there is no other slot on the team, Eli Rogers isn't up there no more. They like Deontay Johnson, but they still... Ben hasn't had a rapport with him. Ben doesn't have a trust with him or a comfort with him. He's not his wubby.
1: And he's still got to make that body transformation that you and I have discussed so many times from your your freshman to sophomore year.
2: Absolutely. So when I think about all these things, I just see that Switzer's still going to get a ton of action. He's going to get the targets just because Ben's comfort level with him. And those are the reasons why I think that James Washington isn't going to impede on his reps, but Moncrief, he has to be nervous about it. And I know as a professional, you don't last in this league long if you can't have a short-term memory for the success or for the negativity. You have to be able to flush it, bounce back, and improve. Everyone has bad games. So for Moncrief, this isn't the first time he's had a bad game. Maybe not in terms of the drops, but I'm sure he's ran bad, routes. I'm sure he's had games where he couldn't get open. I'm sure he's had games where he missed a critical play. You have to be able to overcome that, and you don't last as long in the league if you're not capable of that. So I'm really expecting to see a a more positive performance from him versus
1: the Seahawks. I think so, too, because then we could get into this more the next two days when we really start talking about the Seahawks. But I'm expecting a a better performance, a, a more positive performance, an uptick from all the wide receivers because I don't think the Seahawks secondary is very good. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> I think their the, front the seven, their, their front seven's outstanding. But yeah, yeah that secondary is—it's not your father's Seahawks right. secondary. Stay yes, uh, Staying with with the offense though, here and some of this usage again on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52, the Body Fifty Two, if you want to chime in. Vance McDonald's usage wasn't surprising. I think it was more so the lack of targets. Absolutely. James Connor's usage was surprising. Forty-six percent. Mm-hmm. And I get that some of that is you start falling behind in that game, and then it makes it a little bit harder to run. And then all of a sudden, maybe you want to put the ball in Ben's hands more. But I just maybe – maybe I buried the lead here with you, Motsi. Uh, Of all the things in Sunday's game that we could talk about, uh, the fact that James Conner was on the field for less than half of the offensive snaps is maybe the most surprising thing to me.
2: Yeah, it was surprising to me as well. And it was for a couple of reasons. I understood – when they first wanted to go with Jalen Samuels a little bit earlier because the running game wasn't opened up. I think they initially figured that Juju would draw two, and if he was single-covered, regardless of who was guarding him, he would win. When that didn't happen, it allowed the Patriots to continue to play heavier in the box. It wasn't a light box that we saw last year when Jalen Samuels was able to rush for over 140 yards. That box was was stacked. Nobody was out there getting doubled. So that was the first thing that minimized James Conner's role. So I could understand them saying, okay, Jalen Samuels is the better receiving option of the two. Let's get him out there more. But I still think about how with James, he can still catch. And I thought that that could have been a game where, okay, if we're not getting the success from our receivers – Let's go to the checkdowns and let James just make these linebackers, make these safeties, tackle him in space one-on-one.
1: Because something has to give there, right? If they're loading the box and you don't feel comfortable in your ability to run the ball, that's fine. But then you should be able to at least open things up a little bit.
2: Right, and I think that James Connor could excel in that matchup, even if he's just catching the ball and going straight up field. We're not asking him to make people miss like a a Le'Veon would do. We're asking him, you catch that ball, get three to four yards. That's a... a de facto run play, essentially, right? And we've seen New England implement
1: that same thing. So it's, they've been doing that for a decade, <laughs> right?
2: Where hey, we don't have the the offensive line to just blow you off the it's ball. Like Wes Welker was we're, their ipso facto right. running back, and Chris keep, Hogan was we're a we're pseudo running back. And dunk you to death. Like that's what I would have rather have seen. But they never went with that with James. They decided to just continue to implement Jalen Samuels. But then they weren't even getting him the ball in space. And that was the part that I really didn't understand. So I think that still goes back to the coaching element in terms of how do we make adjustments in that situation. Sure. I don't want to just – I feel like the easy response is just, hey, it was New England. They were a little tight, and they didn't coach the way they wanted to coach the players in a the play they wanted to play. That's the cop-out. I don't think that situation. I think it's just they need to continue to fine-tune these things because they're used to having – a plethora of talent. Sure. They're used to saying, our guys are better than your guys. In fact, I remember being in meetings where they would talk to A.B. and say, A.B., Patrick Peterson is guarding you. Okay, A.B. says, if they don't double me, I'm going for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And he would do it. They would say, hey, Joe Hayden's guarding you at Cleveland. If they don't double me, I'm going for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And he would do it. That's what they're accustomed to doing. And they're used to having just so much firepower that they can go wherever they want and just line up and just be better than you. Well, right now, at this stage, these guys aren't there yet. Not saying that Juju won't develop into that as the season progresses, but Sunday night, that was not the case. So when you don't have the talent that is just, you have so much firepower, well, now you have to fall back on scheme. Now you have to find ways to, okay, let me move this guy around. Let me do this. Let me try to get this guy the ball over here. That's the part that was alarming because I didn't see that.
1: I wonder, now you got me thinking, to bring this all full circle, to kind of where we started this segment with some of that preseason and some of that rust talk, right? Or that was last segment. You get what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Where we were at <laughs> earlier in the show. Um, I wonder. Then now you got me thinking. You got my wheels yeah. turned. I don't know if you could see my see I my see wheels sp- spinning over I here, but the they're, they're, they're spinning. They're uh, spinning. It's been a long time since I've had this much cognitive activity going on in my brain. <laughs> um, do you think that there was a real distinction or a real, you know? dictating by the Patriots, by Bill Belichick, whoever it was going to be, that, okay, last year they ran all over us. Correct. And it was Jalen Samuels who ran all over Correct. us. Correct. And his first game that he said in his life that he had more than 100 yards <laughs> <Right>. rushing. <laughs> back to his high school days. This is week one. Mm-hmm. We know how good their offensive line is. We know that they could potentially do that again. Right. So what I want to do, and again, I'm talking as Bill Belichick and the Patriots here, what we want to do well, is... First off, you sound too upbeat to be Bill Belichick. You're right, I need to... What, yeah. we, what we want to do Thank is you. if we can stack the box and we can take <laughs> away the run, then they'll have to beat us in the passing game. But we know historically here... Especially last year, they start a little slow. Ben doesn't play a lot in the preseason. He takes days off in training camp. The offensive line takes days <laughs> off in training camp. You know what, guys? We're gonna stack that box, and we're gonna make them beat us in the air. And they're not gonna be able to do it because it's week one, and they're still gonna be rusty. Like, do you think? Do you think that that? <laughs> Bravo!
2: Was a- <laughs> that was an amazing performance. Just
1: wow. Do you do you think? Am I am I again? Am, are my wheels just spinning here? Do you think it's possible that that's a real conversation that the Patriots had? I think it was a real conversation, but not in
2: terms of Ben starts out rusty, he can't throw. I think it was, we don't believe Juju is better than Stefan Gilmore. Hmm. I think that's what it came down to. Because it wasn't as if they tried to trick the stills into thinking that, oh, he's going to be single coverage. It was pretty blatant from the beginning. Okay, Stephon Gilmore is following him around. He's on the right side, Gilmore's over there. He's on the left side, Gilmore's there. And he's pressed. And granted, that's what Stefan Gilmore excels in. but Particularly would, with those safeties behind <laughs> absolutely. him, too. But you would have never seen any type of coverage like that versus AB. You know, for a fact, it would be a blatant, this is a clear-cut double team with some type of help as well over there. That wasn't the case. So when you think about them packing the box, now they're saying, well, hey, you're not going to be just running the ball. That's the one thing you're not going to do because you did that to us last year. But outside of Juju, who we feel that our all-pro corner can take out, you don't have anybody over here that's going to scare us. We haven't seen Monkrieg do anything to scare us. We haven't seen to do anything to scare us. We haven't seen James Washington do anything to scare us. We haven't seen Vance do anything that can scare us. Make one of those guys beat us. They challenged them, and that was the part that was so frustrating because we never saw those guys win. We never saw them have any sign of life in these matchups.
1: And it certainly was frustrating, and I think maybe chief most among that was some of the uh, struggles that the Steelers had in the trenches on both sides of the football. And we got to talk about your defense, too, here, Mo. Hey, 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 easy, man. <laughs> I like this offensive stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's rare to hear you say that. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little trenches and a little... Um, some of the communication conversation with the defense, and and still to uh, some guys that we're hoping the Steelers get back, some some injury updates and some statuses to go over as well. It's Euler Remotes on Twitter at Wesley Euler at thebody52. The body. Let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little trenches and some defense when we return. You are listening to the. Well, I should say, you are inside the electric factory. You (laughs) are listening to Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.
0: Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Perhaps the most surprising thing to me, and I guess I've said this a couple times already, but I really mean it. (laughs) In Sunday evenings, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say debacle, but in Sunday evenings, poor showing in Foxborough. There we go. Clever choice of words right there. Is that that fair? That's fair, right? Yeah. I... And again, we've talked about some of the usage of the wide receivers and some of the usage of James Conner, but perhaps the thing, I'm not saying perhaps, the thing that did surprise me the most, if you would ask me before this game where the Steelers have their greatest advantage over the New England Patriots, well, besides the fact that I'd say, you know, we've got SNR and we've got the electric factory and we've got Steelers Nation and, you know, we don't like to make our cakes out of faux gras
0: and <laughs> and you know
1: gluten gluten- free everything and refuse to eat ice cream. But where I really thought the Steelers had an advantage over the Patriots on Sunday evening was in the trenches on both sides of the football and we talked a little bit about there in the last segment, right? mozi early on, it was clear that the Patriots wanted to stack the box. They wanted to stop the run right. So I guess it makes it I don't even want to say excuse excusable, but more understandable as to some of these struggles in the run game. But I I still, I don't know, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, part of me feels like they abandoned ship in that regard a little too early. I definitely would agree with that. I do
2: think that, I don't know why, but whenever the Steelers are playing the Patriots, the sense of urgency happens a lot faster in those games and that feel of we got to keep up a lot sooner than versus other opponents. Other opponents, even at 20 zip, you are still going to be pounding the ball. They're still going to stay committed to that, understanding that, hey, it's a three-score game. We've done that how many times over the past couple of seasons? I just think that when they play New England, though, it's the sense that, man, we got to find a way to keep up with Tom Brady. We have to start throwing the ball more. We have to do this. And they neglect the run, and they go to the old-school we're gonna be gunslingers, and we're gonna get the job done. And
1: we're gonna let the offense lead the way, right? Which is something we've seen the past, you know, what, three, four years Absolutely. or so. Then though, if that if that's the thought process, right? Why are you kicking a field goal at the beginning of the third quarter when you're down 20 points? Yeah, that was frustrating to me. And I guess from a
2: a strategy standpoint, I said, okay, if you're not getting three touchdowns, you need two field goals, regardless of if they happen then or at the end, and you kick the field goals with the assumption that your defense gets a stop, and you get the ball back, now you go score, now we're sitting at 20-10, to 10, different conversation. But the fact that the defense turns around and let them go right down the field and get a touchdown, that's the part where it was just, man, it was super frustrating because you essentially blow the game open right there all off of that decision. Now, if you go for you go for on fourth down and you don't get it, went out of the game essentially over anyways. Because at that point, it wasn't that the Steelers had done anything that made you think that they were going to get a safety right, or that they were going to get a turnover there. If anything, you're hoping that, okay, two first downs, and they would punt it. That's about it. But you never really got the sense that, oh, this Steelers defense has these guys figured out they're going to get the stops. So I think that's kind of why they're like, okay, get these points here. At best – they're kicking a, uh, they're punting the ball at midfield, a field goal tops, but we're getting the ball back and we're going to be fine. They didn't, assume, they couldn't have thought that they were going to give up a
1: big touchdown pass like they did, which, like I said, essentially just killed the game. There's a lot of disconnects in that regard, I think, and and I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of spiderweb and I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. But you know, again, this is a first chance you and I have had to react to this on air together. You saw at the start of the game. Right? Patriots come out. They get the ball first. Steelers defer. And yes, the Patriots got a first down, but that was it. And then they have to punt. And you're like, okay, fine. Yeah, you give up a first down. That's all right. Off the field in sixth place. We'll take that. No problem. Steelers' offense comes back out. Two first downs. Mm -hmm. They move the ball. Uh, They don't get into Patriots' territory, but close. And they have to punt. And so you're thinking, all right, like if this is going to be the script – this is fine, right? right? Keep the score close. Both teams are making plays on defense. Kind of a little bit like last year. Mm-hmm. Keep it low scoring. Keep it tight. Someone will make a play. But then all of a sudden, after that first drive, you go from two first downs on the first drive to one in the rest of the first half. I I just... It, again, I keep coming back to that word disconnect. But it was like you saw a little bit of the success early... And then all of a sudden it vanished. And it was, okay, the run game is not working out. We can't do much in the pass game. And then maybe all of a sudden, and I think too, we want to give some credit to your guys on defense they kept the Steelers in it. They let the Steelers hang around. Yeah, I I saw a lot of people on Monday particularly, oh, here we go with this defense again. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. They kept them in that game as long as they could, and you know this too. When you're on defense and your offense is just going three and out and three and out, or maybe they're picking up a first down, but then they're they're putting them. It's like your head's spinning the whole time. You have no time to adjust. You have no time to catch your breath. I thought the defense, particularly in the first half, did fine, did what they had to do to right. at least keep it close.
2: Absolutely. And at one point, I think the plays were two to one the amount of times yes. that the Patriots were out there compared yes. to the Steelers. And at
1: one point, it was like 10 first downs yes. for the Patriots
2: and three for the Steelers. And, and the issue with that is the possession downs, like you said, third downs. You looked at the page, they were 50% in terms of converting third downs, where the Steelers were 25%. So you have one end where the defense is not being able to get off the field. Because the the pages are in manageable for uh, third down situations. And then the adverse is the Steelers can't can't keep a drive going. Right. They can't get a first down. That's so bad. it was a That's recipe for it was bad. a recipe <laughs> for disaster right there, without a doubt. And it's I always say it's funny when you have to say, well, if you take away this, you take away that. The mental errors were the biggest issue for the Steelers. The mental errors and the missed tackles. That's what got them beat. When they had to just line up and make the Patriots execute, it wasn't like they were getting gashed. But the chunk plays came on missed assignments. You saw guys running free and missed tackles. You look at the Josh Gordon touchdown. They had him hit. Oh. They had him stopped. Oh. Missed tackles. Oh. Those are the two big components from a defensive standpoint that you're frustrated with. I was also very disappointed with the pressure or the lack thereof that we saw on Brady. I definitely thought that from a defensive standpoint – even though I don't want to get on the defense all the way, <laughs> I did expect to see more pressure
1: up front. Were you surprised? Um, It seemed like when he was out there, Javon Hargrave was having success. Particularly, and listen, we've talked about this. Anybody who is a football junkie right, knows right. this. You want to get pressure up the middle against the Patriots and Brady. That's the best way. Correct. If you try and come off the edge, they get rid of the ball in two seconds Without every play. It, it's, it, it doesn't matter if you're Vaughn Miller. It, it's tough to get to Brady off the edge when you've seen teams that have given the Patriots trouble. Uh, you saw it in the Super Bowl last year with the Rams and what Aaron Donald and Ndomic and Sue were able to do in the middle of the field. You saw it the mm-hmm. year before with Fletcher Cox and those guys on the Eagles. Teams that give the Patriots trouble quite often do so by being able to get pressure up the middle from their defensive line. You saw Hargrave Doing that when he was in the game, but again he quite often wasn't in the game. Right, and
2: that was another part that was frustrating. But I think that can go back to just the packages that were being used in terms of the Steelers maybe wanting to continue to have the nickel out there playing a nickel front. So you're asking yourself, okay, as much as we love what Hargrave is able to do,
1: are you taking off cam into it for Hargrave? Sure.
2: So, no, I mean I no. Think, right,
1: just in, right. In I not even in a vacuum. In you know, in just a wide open conversation, no. But maybe in some of those scenarios on Sunday night, you should have been.
2: I think it's easy to say that uh, when, certainly. Everything's well, well, hindsight twenty twenty, yeah. And I say this. I know like I said, being teammates with those guys for multiple years, seeing those guys day in and day out multiple years. Javon, he excels beating sinners. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, occasionally on guards he wins. But he isn't the caliber rusher from a three technique or even, you know, when you're facing constant double-team stuff like that in a, when you're in a sub-package situation. He's not the same caliber player as Cam Hayward and Stephon are. So I think that's why, even though you love watching him destroy centers, you know in a sub-package ball, he doesn't have the numbers anymore. Right. It's the, it's the reverse. Ooh. So you would rather stick with the guys that you know can be successful in those situations versus putting Javon out there because you feel, oh, when i seen him kick a center, i seen him beat a center all the time. Yeah, but he's one-on-one with these centers. It's different.
1: I want to ask you about how this all relates to Sean Davis's absence and Cam Kelly being out there on the field too, but I want you to stay with that that explanation because there was a lot of, man, look at how inexperienced – That Patriots offensive line is Uh, Their left tackle Isaiah Wynn While he's a high pedigree guy A second round pick Out of Georgia He's the highest draft pick That Bill Belichick Has ever used On an offensive lineman Right He didn't play at all last year So he's essentially a rookie It was his first NFL start His first NFL game On Sunday night Their center Whose name is escaping me Right now Had started five games In his NFL career Before Sunday night I think to the casual fan They see that And they think Well we should be able To dominate these guys (laughs) Right but it's, not, it's It's never that easy when you're going against New England.
2: Very true. I do think that uh, Wynn did a phenomenal job. He did. In terms of minimizing Bud's impact. He gave up a sack late, but for the majority of the time, he held Bud at bay. I will say that New England does do a good job in terms of the timing of the quarterback releasing the ball. Mm-hmm. They're not holding the ball forever. It's very precise. It's surgeon-like. Two to three seconds tops you saw the one where TJ didn't even get blocked and he hits Brady. The ball was already out. Like that's how they operate that. Even if they make a mistake, even if you do beat a guy, you're still not going to be able to get to Brady in time to impact the throw. But I still feel that man, from a talent standpoint, that's a matchup that you have to find a way to win. You have to find ways to be successful. But that, whole defense standpoint, it all falls back to the coverage element. No matter how good of a rush you have, if your guy, if there's guys running free in the secondary, if there's guys wide open because of mental errors, it really doesn't matter. He's going to find them. He's going to hit them. And that's what he did consistently Sunday night.
1: Yeah, he did. And it's, man, it's still, it's mind boggling how it seems like it's the same movie. And you keep picking this scab. I'm trying to let this scab heal. So I don't have to think about it anymore. I know you, you got your 24 hour up, rule, man. but this Jeez. is the first. I'm in the 24 hours here with mozi I mean, you I know. know, man, gosh. Uh, David chimes in here, and as a professional athlete. You know, you're always preparing for the next game, but is there any extra motivation after a butt whooping, or is that something all of us fans tell ourselves to cope? I want to get into that with you (laughs) when we return, bouncing back after a big loss. Uh, Any athlete, I don't care who you are, has taken big losses. Yes, even one Thomas Brady. He's taken them, too. So how do you bounce back after a big loss and... We gotta kinda wrap up this defensive conversation with, with, with some of those breakdowns and assignment that we saw related to some of the personnel. Could Sean Davis coming back help in that regard? And we'll get to all your reaction here. Carlos, Mark. Coach Cooley, uh, <laughs> we see y'all. We see all here on Twitter. We will get to you as we roll along, and we got to talk a little around the league as well, too, mozi For better or worse. For better or worse, uh, there's some, you know, some always stuff going on in New England. Uh, I want to talk, you know, Browns and Ravens and the games that they had. Um, yeah. Talk about polar opposite, different results there. Jeez. <laughs> want to talk a little uh, AFC North with you before we get out of here as well, and Motzi. Oh. We're only about 25 minutes away. Oh. From week two, best of the West. There we go. <laughs> All of that and more as we roll along. You are listening to Euler and Moats inside the electric factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: Euler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio.
1: To Euler and Motes inside the electric factory as we roll along. Chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler, at Dabody52. Da body. Phone lines are down, so we apologize to those of you who have been trying to uh, to call in and get it off your <laughs> chest. But we will still, again, as always, we'll take your thoughts, your comments, your concerns, your questions, anything you got for us on Twitter one more time. Dabody52, Wesley Euler on the Twitter.com. Arthur Motes, one of the questions that we got I believe it was from David before we uh, before we went to break, was, you know, as a professional athlete, it's always staying, uh, staying focused on the next week, on the next opponent, in your preparation. But is there any extra motivation after a butt whooping? Or as David says, is that something the fans <laughs> just tell ourselves to cope with tough losses? No, man, that's not just a fan thing. Honestly,
2: you have to think, Athletes are some of the ultra competitive competitors out there. Sure. They want to win in everything. They typically want to look good at everything. They want to be the best at everything. They're alphas. So anytime you're embarrassed in a game the way they were versus the Patriots, yeah, that following week, you want to just demolish somebody. You're just chopping at the bit like, can it be Wednesday already? I'm ready to get out here and practice. I've got critiqued all day Monday when I was in film with my coaches, Coach Tomlin, the Mm. D.C., my position coach. They've already got on me. I've had to sit all Tuesday and just let that soak in and just – Think about it. I'm watching the television. I go to the store. Stay away from social media and My friends in the group text. Everybody's getting on me about the same thing. I cannot wait to put something else on film come Wednesday. I cannot wait till Thursday when I'm going to see the plays that I messed up in the game and I can correct them. I can't wait till Friday because now I get to look good and feel good because it's Fast Friday. And you better
1: believe when Sunday gets here. (sighs) Unleashing some hell. Absolutely. I I hope so, and I think so, and maybe this is the time I'll tease this now. I've been a little perturbed by some of the stuff that I've heard from Steeler Nation in the last three days. Alright, there's been some abandoning ship, I feel like. Not by a majority of people, not even by a ton of people, but by a... A faction of the Steelers fan base. Oh, you the, have little faith. The woe is me, the, oh, we're doing this again, and oh, it's going to be another wasted year, and oh, we're just going to lose to the Patriots in the playoffs if we even make it. Right. Friday at one fifty, Arthur Motes. All right? When we're doing our pick I've got a message for Steeler Nation. Okay. It it, it it came to me yesterday when I was on my way home from work, and I was still listening to people with the whole woe is me attitude on Get the radio. It. Go for it. Let's do it. No, on Friday Oh. at 150. Don't you hold it back. All right. Mark that down. Hey, It's, it's documented. At Friday at 150, 150, I've got a message for Steeler Nation, and you Big can hear message. it right here. All right. And uh. don't tell me your life is bad. Talk to him. Because my football team lost by 31 points on Saturday, and then oh, my yeah. football team lost by 30 points on Sunday. Uh. So there's no way your life is worse than mine. Talk about it! <laughs> Both of my football teams just put their foot on my throat this weekend. All you right? better get it off your chest, Wes. But I'm not tucking my tail like some Chicken Little. Nah, I'm not hiding. Sky's not falling. I've got a message for Steeler Nation. You can hear Ooh. that. One forty-five, one fifty on Friday. There's a little tease. I like that for you. But when it comes to bouncing back after after a big loss, uh, a thing that you heard, you hear Coach Tomlin say. I heard it. When, <laughs> I heard him say it when I was walking through the halls yesterday at the facility. Gunfighters get shot. I love that phrase, actually. He says it all the time. And so, as you just pointed out, rightfully so and fairly, there will be plenty of tough conversation on the south side within the walls of the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Absolutely, There'll be some film digestion. There will be, not pointing of fingers, but... Uh, critiquing. Critiquing, yes. you know, uh, constructive criticism, if you Absolutely. will.
2: Absolutely.
1: But there's also that mantra of... You can't change the pass. You can't change the result. We got shot, but you know what? It's it's time to put, you know, it's time to load up the revolver and load get up ready that six, and, you and, and, get, back and, and man. get ready for another battle yes, on indeed, Sunday.
2: Man. Without a doubt. And I, like I said, that's the beauty of the NFL. That's the beauty of football. You get an opportunity to write it. You get an opportunity to go out here next week, get a big win versus the Seahawks. And now all those people who were questioning you, all those people who were doubting you. All those people who have wrote you off, those would be the same ones praising you, the same ones talking about, I knew you guys were great, I believed in you the whole time. (laughs) Right. That's how it always is. But that's why we always say with the 24-hour rule, it applies for both positive and negative games because the same people that are going to be praising you if the Steelers beat the Seahawks on Sunday will be the same ones bashing them, talking about same old Steelers if they lose to the 49ers the following week. That's just the nature of it. That's why you can never get too high. You can never get too low. You have to remain even keel, and you cannot let the fans sway you. You cannot let the media sway you, because that's our job now. Our job is to critique. Our job is to point the finger. Our job is to stir up. Be the Monday morning quarterback. Right. That's what we do. That's what we're paid to do now. Whereas for the players, they can't operate like that. They can't make the drash, uh, or, or the, excuse me, the rash. Decisions in terms of oh we suck. Oh, we're great. They can't be like that They have to be consistent the whole time even if they win big. Okay, what can we do to get better? How can we Come out here and perform at a higher level. What can we do to execute better if you lose? They can't say oh, it's over Seasons over pack it up. Let me start. You know where I'm gonna ship my car to no 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 you can't do that You have to say okay. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What do we like? What don't we like now? Is it a lot who knows but in this situation, that's how you handle it. And that's why it's always important like that, man, to just focus on getting better. If you focus on getting better every week, you never have to worry about the ebb and flow of the fans. You never have to worry about the ebb and flow of the media. You just simply focus on, all right, I'm worried about me. How can I improve?
1: It's true. And again, I know it can be hard, right, in a vacuum. To have that reaction. Listen, we all get it. You lose the Patriots by thirty; it sucks. There's no sugarcoating it. But like you said, it, it's it, it can't just be. All right, well, this is it. Pack it in. It's over because we lost one game. And I know there's a lot of reaction to that. And isn't that part of two shutting out the noise? We talked about that. Uh, Absolutely. Theme for this team since the preseason: shut out the noise. Sometimes, unfortunately, you got to shut out the noise from your own fan base. From Absolutely. your own backyard,
2: that's the noise. And and like I said, the
1: noise could be positive or negative. Sure. It, it works the other way too. It works if they the would beat way. the Patriots by thirty points, people would
2: be talking about how they are the Super Bowl champs. Yep. it's their time. Sixteen and zero. This is their year. Tomlin's great. Ben's great. Everybody's great. Let's throw the parade.
1: You know who I think maybe's doing that right now? Who to transition here a little bit? Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Ravens. Mm. I said on Monday, I think what happened to Baltimore down in Miami should put a smile on your face if you're a Steelers or a Browns fan. Mm. Or what Baltimore, I should say, did to Miami down in Miami. Should put a smile on your face as a Steelers fan. And I want you to tell me if, again, if it's just my wheels are spinning and I'm going crazy here or if there's some merit to this. You ready? All right, let's hear it. That team, the Ravens, and particularly the quarterback Lamar Jackson and the head coach John Harbaugh, they've been told since what? Since March when they traded Joe Flacco. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't win this way in the NFL consistently. What are you trying to do with Lamar? You're nuts. This offense will never work. It's You lost too much on defense, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they've been hearing that for, what, six months, something like that. Correct. And they've been holding in that aggression. And you know Lamar, all those people saying, oh, he's a running back, he's a wide receiver. It's playing in the back of his mind for months. Right. And John Harbaugh, all these people that are saying, oh, you can't win this way in the National Football League. Harbaugh's going to be gone soon. It's playing in the back of his head. And then you got there and you win by forty nine points. Yes, week one, and you're and you're talking trash and you're throwing shade in the media afterwards about how nobody believed in you. And look at us. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit too much now in Baltimore? Because I think that that's a possibility.
2: See, for me, if this
1: is the but second like, you beat or an third FC, game, you're Alabama beating
2: an FCS school, uh, but big deal. but no. Let's be real about it. No one expected that Miami team to look that bad. That no, bad. Exactly. And no one expected the Ravens to even look anywhere close to that good. So when we think about them gloating, I could understand that because they did receive a no, ton of cr- like, like that. more than anyone. All, all off season, all off season. They, the so, quarterback
1: and the head coach were poo pooed on all off season. I, I totally there. agree with that. The
2: fact that they go out there and, and the five touchdown passes—granted, it was a record—but when you watch the passes, it wasn't like he was doing anything spectacular. It wasn't a-
1: Santonio San Holmes in the back right. of the end zone against he wasn't the Cardinals, and he wasn't throwing. Oh,
2: this is a dime here, a dime. There. It wasn't like that. The Dolphins' defense was very bad, but. The fact they scored 59 points on the NFL team, that is a statement. That does say, okay, you'd earned the right to at least feel good about yourself in some regard. Because 59 points is 59 points. And it's a shocker in the NFL for a reason. It's not co- college where, hey, you see 60 all the time, right? People score 60, like it's nothing. Or, oh, they're scoring 50? Oh, that's okay. Everyone scores 50. How often have we seen 50 points score in the NFL? For a second, I thought they were going to score 60. They probably could have if they, they would have tried. I mean, they took a lot of guys out. They called the dogs off. So I just look at it like, you know what? They earned that right. I still don't think that they're going into this following week over the top confident. I just, like, when I thought about Cleveland, Cleveland Ooh. was arrogant.
1: Yes, they were. Cleveland
2: walked around like, hey, we've already won it all because of what we did in offseason. Chugging beers at Indians right. games. I didn't get that same feeling from the Ravens, excuse me, after that game. I didn't get that feeling of, Oh, we're big and bad. Hot shots now. I got it as more of a, well, hey, y'all talked all that smack about us. We just want to score 59 points. I threw for five touchdowns if you're Lamar Jackson. What are you going to say now? And I think that was the the vibe that I really got from them. I didn't take it as, oh, they're on this high horse now, you know? But if they go out here and have another successful week like that, then I think that does play. I do think that, okay, they'll start thinking that they're a little bit better than what they really are because that Miami team – like I said, it was really bad, man, in and, and all, and all three phases.
1: Really bad. And even RG3 came into the game and, and right. had his it, it, way it. with that Dolphins yeah. team.
2: So it was bad for them, man. But what do you expect when you trade away a ton of talent? You have 14 guys on your active roster that didn't even go to training camp. They weren't even in training camp with that team. On the active roster, to put it in context, my four years here in Pittsburgh, we might have each season probably two to three guys tops dress. In a game that opened a week that wasn't with us in training camp. We did Ross Cockrell one year. I don't think J.J. Wilcox got a helmet at the time when we traded for him. It took him a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Joe Hayden, he played. But other than that, the majority of those guys, if you would make a trade or somebody you sign through waivers during the the final cuts, they're not getting a helmet that opening
1: week. And These, they had what? They had 14 guys. 14 guys. guys. <laughs> 14. That's crazy. How do right. you expect to win? I mean, that's that's like tw- that's more than twenty five percent of your of Absolutely. your game day roster. It, no, it's it's a little less. Sorry, than twenty five percent of your game yeah. day roster. F- Forty six <laughs> active
2: guys on, on game day roster. You had fourteen guys that were, weren't in training camp with you. How do you expect to win like
1: that? And that's true. Yeah, I'm thinking fifty three. It's even less. Yeah. In active how do you expect
2: to win like that? Day? <laughs> how do you expect to win like that? How do you expect to even look competent like that? Whew.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be a long season in my opinion. Absolutely, <laughs> man. <laughs> On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at body 52 da body. We got some questions rolling in here. We'll get to those when we return. It's also Best of the West Wednesday. So we're going to do top ten teams in the National Football League after week one. Mm-hmm. I wonder who will be number one. Interesting. Couldn't possibly imagine who that could be. Yeah. Hope you don't say Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Although, hey, you know, I'm wearing some egg on my forehead with some of my predictions, but one that I'm not. Carson Wentz looked pretty good this weekend. Mm. But we'll, we'll go. We'll go around the league when we return. We'll also. We'll, We gotta talk a little wide receivers, but not just the one in New England. Right. Also the one who's like battling over wearing a watch on game days. (laughs) Wanna talk about him (laughs) wanna talk about him too. So a whole bunch of fun for you still on tap in the last forty five minutes or so of the show. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, Steelers blitz the electric factory on your twenty four seven home of the Steelers, SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Ooh, it's a Wednesday on Steelers Blitz inside the electric factory, and that can only mean one thing, Arthur Motes. What does it mean, baby? It's time for Best of the West Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your top ten teams in the National Football League as they stand right now. Now I like it. I gotta remind people, right, Uh-oh, that this is meant to be a hyperbolic, com- you know, a hyperbolic look at how teams are performing. Okay. Right. So, for example, I've still got the Steelers on my list here, mm. even though they lost. Okay. I, in fact, have two teams on my list here in the top ten that lost. So this is. Meant to be a week to week, really, how teams are looking in the short term. What have you done for me lately? Okay. Okay. But I still, also, the big picture is in the back of my mind. That's why I'm not going to drop uh, the Steelers from my list after they lose to the number one team on my list on the road in the first game of the season. The New England Patriots are number one on my best of the West Power Rangers. Wow, shocker. I thought you were going to go with your Philly love. Okay. No,
2: they're
1: pretty high up up here, but I had the Patriots number three to start the season. Ah. Who was your number one to start the season again? My number one to start the season was the Saints. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yep. I had Saints, then Chiefs, then Patriots, I'm pretty sure, to start the season. Um, So, I mean, after what you saw Sunday night, how could you argue against that? Yeah. The New England Patriots, number one on my best of the West power rankings. Number two, I'll stay in the AFC with that team I just mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs. I was impressed by what I saw with them, Mozi, and I know now they've got some injury. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes had to leave the game with an ankle. Tyreek Hill's going to miss, I think it was four to six weeks, right, with the right. shoulder. But I just think, man. That offense is so dynamic. You know, say what you will about Andy Reid for his shortcomings in the postseason, but you know he's going to have them ready to go week to week during the Absolutely. regular season. And Sammy Watkins looked. And Sammy Watkins to Holy the tune of, I God. think, 46 points for my fantasy team. Yeah, he
2: was phenomenal. Even Shady McCoy did his thing, yep. man. Yep. Even though his jersey was, like, super baggy. It was the. Uh, yeah, what was up with that? That's the, hey, I just got here. I haven't <laughs> had a chance to see the Taylor. Just give me the generic 25. Just, just give me out there and I'll make it
1: work for a week. <laughs> I
0: was like, what is this?
1: Yeah, I just. Oh man! Right now, as it stands, I I think those two have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the AFC. Yeah, and again, this is hyperbolic week to week. That could all change, but right now, I I think it's clear cut that those are the two best teams.
2: Okay, in the AFC,
1: no, Ah. I've got your boys. Huh? The Philadelphia Eagles at number Stop 3. Stop it. I know, listen, I know you're a hater. Stop it. But you it. saw everything that I told you on Sunday. That was a team who slept <sighs> through the first two quarters of that game. They were down 17 nothing and then they looked they at each slept. other and they They said, had DJax. DJax was going crazy the whole game. They said they said, "Wait a second, guys, we're losing by 17 to the Washington Redskins." Nah, that can't happen. And they, and they came out and two touchdowns to Deshaun Jackson he later. He
2: was balling out the whole time.
1: Yeah. He was balling the whole time. Yeah. To the tune of two touchdowns. Yeah. 50-some, one from 50-some and one from yeah. 60-some, I think. Yeah, he's what one of three players yeah, now so with, uh,
2: I forgot how many 50-plus yard touchdowns. Him, yeah. uh, Randy Moss, and I think it's Jerry Rice, I want to say.
1: Real quick digression. Yes. Is he a Hall of Famer? I know he's still got years to... He's, he's French Hall of Fame.
2: I put him in the same category as Julian Edelman. Okay. French Hall of Fame.
1: Okay. That's fair. But again, still Like, too, all things are like, like right can, now. He could have yeah. another good couple years here now. Right now, yes. so. yeah. But I, I just think, man, you look at that offense, they've got talent everywhere. Uh, Arshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, that offensive line. You know how I feel yeah. about Carson Wentz. Miles Sanders looked really good in his first Listen, NFL game. the only game. thing I
2: like about Philly is my 6-and-under guy. My 6-and-under guy. Darren Mr. Sprouls? No, no, no. Mr. Brandon Graham, man. Oh, yeah. Mr. 5'5". That's the only guy I really like on that team. Nigel Brown, that's my other dog out there. Former teammate of mine. So after that, the list gets small. You know?
1: Well, they are number three on my list. Best football teams power rankings in the National Football League number 4 the New Orleans Saints.
2: Ooh. Uh
1: I think some of the shortcomings that that we talked about when we've done around the league conversation it, Drew Brees doesn't have quite the arm and the athleticism that he used to have, but you still saw at the end of the game on Monday night against the Texans what that guy can do. Uh, give me give me Drew over Carson Wentz any day of the week. Oh man. Well, you know what? I bet you we have a good chance that we can see that matchup happen at some point in the postseason. Because I don't think they played during the regular I don't think they I don't, played during the regular season. Uh, yeah, I'm season. not
2: familiar. I'm not sure all the way.
1: Um, but those are certainly uh, two teams. Man, just again, you look at their roster and it's hard to find a weakness. Right. Like, they are just so strong top to bottom. I've got the Saints at four. Number five, sticking in the AFC here, uh, Another or the NFC, pardon me. Another team that could be involved in that playoff picture, the Rams. Mm-hmm. I liked what I saw from Jared Goff. Okay. I yeah, mean, he, you know, he, we kind of talked about that was the big question mark for them. We know what he is and how big Zach Taylor was to his success, but we think he can still make the throws. Even if he's getting help reading the defense, he's still yeah. got to go out there and do it. Well, he did look overs that that uh, Panthers defense. And too. I was going to say, too, Absolutely. I think the Panthers, they're going to surprise. If Cam Newton can if stay he stays healthy, healthy.
2: That's the key. He's the key of it all.
1: The Panthers could surprise some teams this year. I think they're a lot better than they're getting credit for. But I got the Rams at number 5. We're going to stay in the NFC here for a little while. Okay, all right, let's do that. Number 6, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. I mean, we know I like that how you got the Cowboys lower than your Eagles, but that's fine. I do. Which one of those teams? Well, I was going to say which one of those teams won a playoff game last year. They yeah. both they both won a playoff <laughs> game last year. Um Man, you saw what they were able which to one do teams have a super winning quarterback. Oh. The Eagles? Did he really win it though?
2: He's got a ring. Did he win it though? He's got a ring. No, no, no. I said, I said did he win it? You said it, which
1: though? one of those teams has a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Dak's got a ring? Who's a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Nick Foles. Okay. Thanks for the He's not on either of those teams. Alright then. The, the Eagles All have right, a hell there. of a lot more Super Bowl winners on their roster than the Cowboys do. They just won oh, it two years my ago. Gosh,
2: are we playing that game now?
1: What do you want to play that game? I was for the last time. Okay, the Cowboys well the won Cowboys the have a lot
2: more Super Bowl reasons than the Eagles have. All right, That's boom. That's fine. I said it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But in the, it's 1995 was the last time the Cowboys climbed that peak. Hey, I man, was, uh, they still got him. It was, what, about 17 months ago, they, the they, last they, time they, the Eagles they. did. Do Super Bowl rings expire? Am I missing something here? Do they expire? You just asked me who had the Super Bowl-winning quarterback. That's how this all started. Yeah. Who's, who's that for the Cowboys? Because he's
2: not a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. At least
1: technically he is. Hey, you were the one who threw uh, that out there. Te- Don't put te- this te- on te- me.
2: Technically, technically, he was, he was carried. Technically, Nick Foles put his dead weight on
1: his back. And carried him to a Super Bowl win. Who's offensive? Ah, That's a push. All right, offensive line between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Is that a push? Is that fair? Uh, Yeah, if this was like two years ago, I would say
2: Cowboys. But I think those guys are a little beat up. They're getting a little older. slowing down a little bit. Quarterback, Dak or Wentz? I got to go Wentz. If he's healthy, I got to go Wentz. Even though Dak looked awesome, though. Wide receivers, Eagles or Cowboys? So this is my issue.
1: It's it's the Eagles.
2: No, 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 no. no. I'm not going to say it's the Eagles, and here's why. I love what Amari Cooper can do, but I'm a personal fan of Deshaun Jackson. Right. So me being a personal
1: fan is going to cloud my judgment. I can't make an unbiased decision on it. But Deshaun is clearly—if you want to say Amari Cooper and uh, and Alshon Jeffrey cancel each other out, okay. Deshaun is clearly better than All right, so the, the Cowboys, running backs, which, then? Oh, the running backs, again, clearly the Cowboys. Okay. Head coach, who would you rather have? I think that's clearly the Eagles. Okay, let's go defense. Linebackers, who would you rather have? Cowboys. Okay.
2: Front uh, pass rush. Malik Jackson is out for the year now. He's on IR. I know. So I who would you rather have?
1: I, I think it's close, but Cowboys. Okay. Secondary. Secondary Eagles.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Secondary is bad. So again, I th- there's it's it's, it's close. close there. Okay. It's whose stadium
2: there? looks better? How about that?
1: <laughs> the Cowboys Although I gotta tell you I, The Link is a nice stadium But I mean Jerry is, World yeah, yeah. Jerry World Come on <laughs> Quick digression I wanted, It's funny I have this in my other My randoms notes I wanted to ask you about this And now you brought it up Did you see that Cowboys Virtual reality picture Taking station Yes Do, Do it for think, the gram baby uh, Don't Do it get it me wrong I think that's really cool technology But who wants a fake picture With their favorite athlete like, some, who wants to hang up this picture and be like, "Look, here's me with holographic Arthur Moats"? <laughs> like, I don't know. But, as long, can they tell us a
2: holograph once they once it's taken? Does Boy, it, you it look You to go real? lie to
1: everybody in your family? Oh, I'm look, just saying, okay. I was ZQL. with the guys. <laughs> I was with the guys. Does it that look real? Is, isn't that peak to it for the Graham 2019? Oh, not
2: doubt. That's so millennial, bro. Come on. I man. just
1: like don't get me wrong. I think that technology is amazing. It is. But it's like, unless you're a little kid, I don't see who would. I don't know. I heard they were
2: hundred dollars a pot for it too, man. No, is it really? No, I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say and it was, though. that's true. That's Gosh. ridiculous. <laughs> but get back to this list, man. Get okay, back to the list. So number, we got the Cowboys.
1: Yes, and so uh, again, I had two AFC teams to start: yes. Patriots and Chiefs. And now we're having a run of NFC teams. Correct. Eagles, Saints, Rams, Cowboys. Six. Number seven. You know, you say a lot of times, "Oh, that's your boy." Those are your boys. Yes. But you know who my one boy is?
2: <sighs>
1: Let's hear, it, man. Come but, on. But hold on, tell me who's my one boy? He's a quarterback. He wears number twelve. Ooh. Not the one who's TB. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. Not the one that's not 12. TB. Not 12. TB12. The other 12. I'm thinking TB. AR12. Cut it out. Aaron right. Rodgers and the Packers. That's, that's, that's the one guy you can say it's my boy. That's and it's your true. boy.
2: TB12 is your boy. No, that's your boy. You don't eat ice cream because of him. That's your boy. Stop it. You <laughs> were over were here like a little cheerleader when the Patriots were winning on Sunday. Oh, yeah, totally. Get back to the list, man. All right, so you got number the Packers. Number seven,
1: the Packers. All right, Packers. <laughs> uh, I just, man, I think you saw that defense on Thursday night. Going to be different this year. The Absolutely. offense, I think, is only going to get better. Uh, it's pretty been laid out over the history of this show that I have a ton of faith in Aaron Rodgers. I've got them at seven. Right behind them, a team in their own division, mm. the Minnesota Vikings. I, I do was, think they surprised. I them. was it's really impressed people. by them. Absolutely, I, I was uh, like, and I think too, the Falcons are one of those teams like Carolina. I don't have them as a favorite or anything like that, but I think they're better than people give them credit for. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. I think uh Cousins looked a lot better as he well. He did. And you know what really changes everything for me with the Vikings? What's up? Dalvin Cook. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: But that's Dalvin a consistent Cook. running game, a consistent playmaker at that position. I still, man, was very impressed with Thielen. I think he still yeah. goes out there and shows and that. And Stephon Diggs, and he they've got ball. playmakers
1: all over the defense. Absolutely,
2: the, uh, younger Kidrick's brother, he's over there, yeah. man.
1: If if you tell me that what we saw from Dalvin Cook is what we're going to get for the whole year, I think that Vikings—that's yeah. a much improved Vikings Absolutely. offensive unit. I've got them at number eight. Let's come back to the AFC here to round out the sh- the the segment, the list. Number nine, I've got the Steelers.
0: Mm,
2: okay.
1: I still, again, I, I, I in, believe. A, in a hyperbolic sense, it would be very easy for me to put, you know, the Texans or the Baltimore Ravens or somebody, the L.A. Chargers a- ahead of the Steelers, but I would be lying to myself. I still think the Steelers are better than the Chargers as they stand right now. I still think the Steelers are better than the Ravens, period. I've got them at number nine, and then I have those Houston Texans
0: Ooh. at
1: number 10. I I would have probably okay. had them a little bit higher the Texans maybe a spot ahead of the Steelers, but that offensive line didn't look as good as we thought it was going to. And now, granted, they just put it together. Give Laramie Very Tunsil true. another week. Give him some time. I've got the Texans at ten, and then my first team's out: the Chargers and the Chicago Bears.
2: Ooh, okay, okay. Your
1: thoughts on the end of that list, Arthur Ah. <sighs>
2: I'm flipping the Steelers and Texans right now.
1: Okay. That's, that was, that I have, I have was honestly this, like the hardest decision yeah, for me. I
2: have Steelers at 10. I think Texans are still, like I said, nine. I, I would, I like eight, but Vikings looked really good. And that was the thing. I thought the Vikings, like you said, Dalvin Cook was the X factor. He was what they were missing. If he could play like that, they could easily move up this list a lot more. Um, when we look at the Packers, I didn't really see anybody else to threaten them to say that they should move down from that position, so I could see that being fine. I am switching Eagles out of that three spot, and I'm putting them behind the Saints and the Rams, personally. But
1: you still got them at five. Yeah,
2: they're five. Yeah. Without a doubt, they're top five. So you got five. them ahead of your Dallas Cowboys. They're not my Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I just personally feel that the performance that we saw from an offensive standpoint from Dak in particular – was less about Dak and more about that Giants defense. Whew. I have zero confidence in that Giants defense. We said it's going to
1: be a long year in Miami. It's going to be a long yeah. year in, in New York for the for, Giants
2: for all my For pl- all my fantasy owners out there, just pick up whoever is going to be playing against the Giants. Whatever receivers <laughs> you got out there, whatever quarterbacks you got out there, you want some fantasy advice, pick them up. And no difference, whatever team is playing against the Miami Dolphins, you pick up that defense because they're going to demolish that Dolphins office. This is a little fantasy tips for you guys. <laughs> so so that's for me why I'm saying, you know, I don't believe in the Cowboys like that right now. I need to see them versus real talent. The same way I don't believe in the Ravens right now I need to see them versus real yeah. talent.
1: Hey, I want to see them yeah.
2: against a non-FCS school. Yes. But for me, Eagles definitely at five. I think Saints still hold down the three spot. Rams definitely at four. And, yeah, we'll go from there, man.
1: I like it. So we got this similar We're list, similar, just a f- you know, just a little moving
2: and shaking. Yeah. The if, Bears, the quarterback situation for the Bears oh, drives me nuts. I can never put them in the top ten with
1: Trubisky out there. I just, oh,
2: it's put, so bad to watch,
1: man. There's so many other quarterbacks that if you put on that roster, man, they'd go like 14 and ten. Absolutely. And it's, I'm not even talking sick. like I'm not even talking like Aaron Rodgers or no, Tom Brady. No, no,
2: just a competent quarterback. It's sick, man. Andy Dalton.
1: Give me Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Man. <laughs> So rough. Uh, it so it rough. really is unbelievable. Real quick for you. Bottom of this. If we were to do like a one through 32, uh, is it the Dolphins or is it the Giants at the bottom of the list? It's got to be the Dolphins. Dolphins
2: because right? they gave up 59 points. I don't. At under, home. Under no circumstance can you <laughs> give up 59 points.
1: right? I got to go with uh, Dolphins, Giants. Buccaneers down there maybe too. Cardinals <sighs> down there. Actually, the Cardinals are good. They did. They look good. They finished the last stronger than they started. I will tell you that. The skins, the Bengals, but even all those teams, the they hung look good. right. They hung right in the their Bengals matchups. Yeah. the Bengals were a the Bronco, How about the Broncos? Ooh, yeah. Ooh. they're not feeling too good right now. I forget who it was, but I, I think I think it, the Bengals are going to surprise a lot of teams. Watching them play the Seattle Seahawks? I might, I might, yeah. Offensively I, and defensively. I, we've been saying that all year. Their they defense might win five, looked, they might win five or six games. Their defense I don't good. think they're going to win two games like a lot of people would expect.
2: Their defense look really good. Offensively. Yeah. They're literally a errant interception from going up three scores on Seattle, in Seattle. Literally the ball slips out of Dalton's hand while it's raining and it turns to an interception while they're in the red zone, like the 15-yard line. And then they have a fumble by Erickson. But other than that, I'm like,
1: they like, they could be tough. At Wesley Euler at TheBody52 on the Twitter. Debody. Body! Don Juan, Tanner, Freeman, we see you all chiming in here. We will get to your reaction when we come back and wrap up the show. And also... We gotta talk that thing. I mean, we've buried it as long as we can. Because Moats and I, you know, we like to stay positive here. And we Absolutely. like to talk as much Steelers as possible. I like but sunshine and rainbows. There are two diva wide receivers. Not just one, Two! <laughs> who are just refusing to stay out of the news. We will talk about them when we return. Wesley Euler, Arthur and Motes. It's Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz. It's the electric factory.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Euler Remotes wrapping up the show on a Wednesday afternoon, and we've just been—we have been jam packing trying to fit everything in here. First time we've been on air together since Friday. By you,
2: I missed you, man. You're, it was your fault. You didn't. It want was
1: not here. my fault. You sent
2: me a text say, "Hey, man, don't come in here today, bro."
1: Yeah, my right. Face it wasn't. It, it wasn't you, uh, you know, and all that Steelers live and oh. all that Steelers stuff down what, there. What are the these things you speak of, my friend? Leaving me here, Bob. <laughs>
2: I was doing it for the team, man. You know,
1: I knew I'd lose you to the NFL Network one day, but I didn't think I'd lose you
2: to our own team one day. Come on, man. It's just the more you could do. I was trying to show my my versatility.
1: Uh, I I get it. it. You are very versatile. You got a face for television. I got a face for radio. So, I mean. But your hair is always perfect. It's coming back. That's
2: the one constant through it all, baby.
1: I will tell you. I shaved it all off. I think it was like July 4th or July 3rd. I'd have thought it would have grown back more by this point, ah. but I did go straight buzz cut, so it's you like you did. You did. I've had some coming back to do. I like, it. but we're getting there. I'm not. I don't think I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cut it again until 2020. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm still, while I'm still in my 20s, I still at least got to right. let the hair roll along here uh, on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The body. And yeah, that is true. You know, when I cut my hair shorter, the absence of hair jokes and hair conversation yeah. here have been it a little less. the of, same. But we're getting closer and closer. Yes. We're getting back. Back to that point. Uh, coach Cooley here, who who you want to talk about a guy who's got some dirt on me. <laughs> uh, Don Cooley, he was my high school broadcasting teacher yeah. uh, for two years in high school. He was also our wrestling coach at Mars High School. He chimes in here on Twitter uh, asking about Lev Bell in relation to AB and OBJ. Right. And how it seems like Lev has really... Um, he's much more team-oriented, to to use Don's words here. It seems like he's changed, like he's bought into that, you know, to what the Jets are doing, while you still have guys like AB and OBJ who are changing teams and it still seems like are only concerned about their own well-being. Yeah, um, I could speak
2: from personal experience being Le'Veon's teammate for four years, not once did I ever feel that he wasn't a team guy. The problem is in this profession is not just team. You have a business element. And when the negotiations became public, people decided to pick a side and side with the organization and point the finger at Le'Veon as the bad guy, because he wanted to pursue more money. So in that regard, I laughed at it the whole time because I'm like i I'm like Le'Veon was never a bad guy. Le'Veon was never a oh he's such a me guy. It's like no, he's doing what anybody else would do in that position. They want to get what they want to get.
1: He wasn't even holding out technically. He He wasn't under contract.
2: Sign the franchise. Right. He's like I'm just not going to sign the tag for him. He didn't see the benefits of playing under a one year deal. He felt that the deal that the was offered him, which anybody can have their opinion on. He personally wasn't comfortable with it. He didn't like it. So. People wanted to paint him as this villain, as this selfish guy, as this non-team-oriented guy.
1: And that was never the case. Five, ten years from now, people will look back on Lev Bell's time in Pittsburgh with some positivity. Absolutely. It it won't be that he's universally loved, but he certainly won't get booed walking down the streets of Pittsburgh. Whereas the other guy who left, I don't know if we could say the same. Absolutely. I think, man, when you look at... Levyon, the worst
2: thing you're gonna say is what he walked away from 14 million. He turned down this much money in a contract, but he took money from the Jets. It might have been a little less, but it was more guaranteed upfront. That's it. It's nothing else you're gonna really get on him about. Like he he didn't come in here and, and you know cause distractions. He wasn't yelling and cursing and hardballing his way out. That's not what he did. So for me, I never felt that sentiment about Levyon. Whereas the other player. On the contrary. Yeah. Woo. There's a whole lot going on there. Absolutely. Not only while he was in Pittsburgh or with the Raiders,
1: but currently now. It's unfortunate, man. Reports uh, reports that Roger Goodell is considering putting Antonio Brown on the commissioner's exempt list.
2: Yeah. So uh, was it Tuesday? He was uh, accused of sexual assault and rape allegations in a civil lawsuit down in Florida by one of his former trainers. And uh, she said that it happened on three separate occasions. So that's a little backstory in terms of why the conversation is happening now in terms of Goodell potentially put him on the exempt
1: list until this matter gets played out. Yeah, I. I it, anytime you have a situation like this in the NFL, I wish we could say that there's a blueprint to it, but it's kind of been proven the opposite way. Whereas a lot of times it almost seems like Roger Goodell hangs up a dartboard of punishment in his office and throws a dart in whatever it lands on. That's what he decides. Yeah, We've seen... In the National Football League, guys who have been suspended for contract conduct detrimental to, the, to, to the league, right? To the yes. NFL, to the Shield, conduct detrimental. Uh, we saw it here in Pittsburgh. You saw it a couple years ago with Zeke Elliott. You, 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 you've seen guys who have never been charged criminally with a crime who, so still, with who, 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 who still get suspended. If that's the standard, I don't know what more Antonio Brown has to do to get put on that list. Like You could even talk about before this stuff that came out Tuesday. You can't tell me all his conduct during his time in Oakland. That wasn't detrimental to the league?
2: Even how he hardballed his way out of here in Pittsburgh. You can't say that wasn't conduct detrimental? That's the purpose of conduct detrimental because it's more of a blanket statement because it's hard to just say, oh, he just did this or he just did that. Up until now, with these allegations coming out, it was hard to just put it on one particular thing. But the beauty of Goodell is this he typically does do a good job in terms of implementing himself into these matters. Once he feels comfortable, once he feels enough information and evidence has been out so I can understand them waiting to see everything that comes out with it. But I think, man, you would have to assume some type of list would apply here because you just think about from a, a big picture standpoint, man, if he's innocent, great. But if he's not, just imagine what that does to the face of the league, that you're still allowed, you've allowed this player to not only practice but play in games while this was going on, while he was actually guilty. You think about the fan bases out here. It's a ton of women. It's a ton of mothers. ton of females that are supporters of the NFL and the New England Patriots on top of that. That's what you open them up to if you allow him to play. If you allow him to come out there to practice all the time. Think about his teammates. There are some questions now in terms of what do you feel about AB? What if he did do these things? How Do you do you feel comfortable having a guy who sexually assaulted somebody allegedly or raped somebody allegedly as your teammate? It's no different than if you have a guy who was a part of the domestic violence. I can speak in, uh, from personal experience having Mike Vick as my teammate.
1: As mm-hmm.
2: soon as he signed here, you know the first question they're asking is how, you feel how, about how do you feel about Mike Vick? Uh, um, do you have a dog? Do you have a dog? Like, what do you do? You think that he served his time? Do you think he should be in the league still? Do you have any hatred towards him? And then you leave him out the parking lot. That's one part of it. You leave out the parking lot. Now you got the protesters out there, PETA, the dog lovers, everybody. So, and I wonder if that
1: if that happens in New England here, I, in the and coming I personally days.
2: think it will because it's like when we first signed Vic, there was no gray area. It was like, oh, he's here. Whereas right now. The only reason they're probably not out there protesting exactly this moment because it's like, it's fresh. Let's see how they handle it. Yes, But if this Thursday or Friday and no action has been taken, no exempt list while the matter plays out, because we're not saying that he's guilty, but you still have to run the risk of, okay, what if he is?
1: So if they don't and make that, a decision... And that has been enough to suspend guys in Absolutely, the past. without a doubt. Just what you said right there, there is a precedent multiple yes. times of that being enough. Because you have
2: to protect the shield. At the end of the day, if he's innocent, great. But if he's not, what does that do to the brand of the NFL? What does that do to the reputation of the NFL? If you're this the the Patriots organization, we'll take it a step further. This isn't your first
1: <laughs> issue you've had. Not even close. We're not even talking about Kraft. Oh, no. But it
2: was a tight end there. It uh-huh. was a part of a situation that was a little more, mm-hmm. or I'll say a lot more dark than this in terms of life or death. Mm-hmm. And how did they handle that? Hey, let's let him keep coming. Remember, you got the footage of him going into the facility.
1: While police are searching his home. Absolutely. Yeah, it was not the best look. And think about how that looked for them.
2: Think about how that looked for the NFL as a whole. You really want to run that risk again? Like I said, you put him on an exempt list. It doesn't hurt the money. It doesn't hurt him. But it protects everyone. We're not saying you need to say, oh, cut him. I'm not saying that. He's a great talent. And that's the only reason why you're having this conversation is because of how talented he is. If this was the 46th person on the roster or even the the 53rd person on the roster, right? it's a non-issue. He, he, he's gone as he, soon as the
1: report comes out last he night. He
2: gone. Yeah. But because of the talent, you allot him a little more leeway, a little more due process. But I do think when you're talking about A.B. in particular, his actions – that have led it to this point, hurt him drastically. Oh, because think like, about if this was seven months ago, right before he has his "I'm getting out of Pittsburgh" mentality, you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. You yeah. wouldn't even believe. You would say, "No way, AB did that." I, can,
1: we I can't. Have, even we would have been defending. We would have been defending him in without Pittsburgh.
2: a yeah. doubt. But because of how he exited out of Pittsburgh, and then the the plan that they implemented in Oakland to get out of there, you it's to the point now that. If he is guilty, would you be surprised? That's what you have to ask yourself. Would you be surprised? I don't think a lot of people would. Where if we're talking about a Larry Fitzgerald, for example. That was what we
1: talked about before the show. Absolutely. If if this was somebody else like Larry Fitzgerald, you'd be much more willing to give them benefit of the doubt. And
2: and if Larry was wrong and they proved that he was guilty, if it was Larry Fitzgerald, everybody would be stunned. Yes. That's not going to be the situation. Like I said, hopefully it's not the case. But if it were to be that he was guilty... I don't think people would be stunned. And that's a problem. That's is. a major problem, but that's just the consequences of every action that he's taken that has led him to this point. So now that something right here where you have to deal with the court of the public.
1: Right. Public which opinion. Which is a real thing.
2: Public opinion, yeah. It's a real thing. No doubt. But now that you have to deal with the court of public opinion, you're not getting that benefit of the doubt. They're not going to say, oh, it's just AB. He can never. He's a great football player. No, the only reason why. People are even trying to justify anything in this situation is because of his talent, not because of his character, and that's why the actions that he's taken in this instance are biting him a little bit. It'd be interesting to see how New England plays
1: it out. They obviously did their press conference this morning. Yeah,
2: and you can classic or, or the lack
1: thereof. <laughs> Ready? You want to reenact that one? Uh, we're talking about the Dolphins.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna in go into these uh, comments anymore. Uh, I we, said what we've there. said what we've said. Anybody have any questions about Miami? Like, which is crazy because if there's any other coach that said that, in particular if Coach Thomas said that, he would be crucified right now. Oh, but now. it's hilarious when Belichick does Right, it. it's funny.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's ha-ha. Oh, it's just like it's funny when the Patriots organization does something happens to him. Absolutely. Oh, it's crap. Oh, he was wearing... Oh, ha. Right, That's because, funny. and I think part of that is, some of it's to their own credit, but they have had these... Types of things, whether it be Aaron Hernandez or whether it be the owner, that could have torn a team, could have torn a lot. All those reports that came out between the arguments between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's trainer and all that bust up. A lot of stuff that could have divided locker rooms, could have divided organizations. Right. It did not divide them. It did not divide them. So maybe that's where they get some of the benefit of the doubt in some of this regard. But I think that's hogwash. I think the onus should be on you that more often than not, you have shady stuff, not even questionable stuff going on around your organization. But I wonder then Mozi as we as we have to wrap this up here in the next minute or two. Does he play a snap of football for the New England Patriots or at least this Ooh. year? Cuz it's now, you know what I was thinking about this driving in 2 now. That's two straight regular season NFL weeks that Antonio Brown has missed. Yeah. And I think you could say oh well he just missed the end of last season and just I think those things can start to become a pattern. I and agree. and you know in this league you could get is even as great as AB is you can get forgotten pretty quickly. No, I agree, man. And it's not as if New England needs him. You can get replaced not, very
2: it, quickly. It's not as if that offense looked bad or hurting for talent in any way, shape, or form. But in terms of do I think he'll play? Stranger things have happened. I just think the safe bet is for him to be on some type of uh, exempt list. Just until the matters get played out. Because I I guess I'm a firm believer in due process. And I believe that you should be innocent until proven guilty. But at the same time, you have to understand for the betterment of the whole organization, the shield. Right? That's what you always hear. It's not a right to play in the National Football League. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And due to everything that's led us to this point, this is just the cherry on top of what we've already seen him display in terms of poor judgment, in terms of poor behavior. So the fact that this is coming out now, I have to do my due diligence and I have to protect the brand. So in that regard, I personally put him on an exempt list until things get settled. Motsi, hey, we crammed a lot into these two hours today. Hey, man, that's why we get paid the big bucks, or at least you do. <laughs> stop it.
1: We'll do the same <laughs> thing tomorrow at noon if that works out all right with you, and as long as you don't have any TV oh, engagements. Stop it, <laughs> man. I tell him do it. TV in the afternoon. I got West from 12 to 2. (laughs) Tomorrow on the show, it is Thursday, so it'll be three-question Thursday. Uh, Also Thursday, that means our guy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will be joining us. And we will really start to turn the page, look ahead to those Seattle Seahawks. We got some tweets here from Tanner, from Freeman, uh, from Where to Sports that we did not get to from Don Juan related to a lot of these, the Steelers and the Seahawks. Uh, Sorry, guys, we just had a lot of conversation today. But we will, I I promise you, address some of these questions, get into some of these questions tomorrow on the show at noon. Big thanks to our guy, uh, Wesley Euler, on the ones and twos. They're producing the show. Phenomenal <laughs> yeah, job. Thanks to Wes for producing the show. Thanks to you always, those of you that did chime in. We will talk to you tomorrow at noon where it will be another jam-packed show, as always, on your 24-7. Hu- oh, wait. Real quick. Uh-oh. Download the podcast absolutely yeah come on for Don't those of you that still haven't podcast. subscribe download give us a five star rating Steelers blitz you can find us wherever you get your podcasts uh, and to hold you over until we talk to you tomorrow absolutely. at noon on your 24 7 home of the black and gold
0: Steelers nation radio